the parable we're going to be talking about today is the unmerciful servant. And uh, it's a fascinating parable, and we'll get into that in a minute. But just by way of, again, a reminder, introduction to our parable series is that uh, there's oftentimes um, Jesus uses parables, stories, narratives to try and teach us some things. And in many ways, they're very personal lessons. And uh, many of us will remember the, the tables turning on King David when, when Nathan comes and tells the, the story to him. And uh, in many ways, parables shake us up and cause us to, to question some of the things that perhaps we have uh, become complacent in. Uh, in some ways, they're meant to kind of be shocking and disturb us a little bit, to kind of jar us or to cause us to think about things from a different perspective than perhaps we are currently. And uh, always parables seem to pin a lesson on us that we just can't avoid. Uh, and Jesus is incredible at, at crafting these, these parables, these narratives, these stories, and you're, you're in there and you're like, oh, this is great. And then at the end, it's like, and we're talking about you. <gasps> oh, seriously, I was having a good time right until now. So, you know, and, and it's fascinating how Jesus does that. He was a phenomenal teacher, communicator, uh, and storyteller. Uh, to get across the principles of God's kingdom. And we're going to be learning about uh, one of those today, obviously, as we, we get in here. So Jesus' parables almost always teach us about his outrageous grace, or they teach us about something we need to learn. We're just getting caught up there now. <laughs> Thanks, Stefan. No, it's all right. That's all right. Okay, so we're going to go to Matthew 18, so you can take... Either take out your Bible or turn on your Bible, whichever, however format you have it. And I'm going to read through um, this parable and we'll, we'll jump right in here. So this is Matthew 18 and we're going to start at verse 21. And uh, I'm reading from the NIV, so as you look at your copy, you'll be able to make an adjustment in, in some of the language. Uh, verse 21 of chapter 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sin against me? Up to seven times, right? Seven times. Pretty good. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Hmm. Then he tells this parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts. And he wanted to settle those counts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Well, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt and let him go. Shocking. But when that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. We've heard that before. But he refused. 
And instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't, uh, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Whew. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. Wow. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember the first time ever reading that, uh, but that's a, that's a pretty uh, harsh in some ways. Uh, there's a lot of harshness in there, but just the significance and the seriousness with which Jesus answers Peter's question uh, is something to be noted for sure. And so that's we're going to try and delve into this today and try and sort out what what this means to us and uh, some of the impact of that. So let's just commit this time to the Lord. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the way that he was able to answer people's questions to bring clarity, to bring understanding. And Father, as we uh, try to understand that for ourselves uh, today, we thank you that this was captured in your word. Uh, We thank you that we have it for us today. Help us to figure out how to apply this and to think on this. Uh, as we delve into your word this morning, and we commit that to you in Jesus' name. Uh, why is Jesus telling this parable? Well, clearly, uh, you know, one of the, the key reasons is that G- Peter, pardon me, comes and just asks him. Uh, you know, the disciples are traveling with Jesus, and um, uh, they're trying to figure they're trying to figure things out. They're trying to understand how Jesus is interpreting. Uh, the writings of scripture and and trying to learn from him what and how to live a life that they're being called to and so peter comes and he asks this question how many times shall i forgive up to seven times and i I believe peter thinks he's being pretty spiritual he's being pretty big to to offer that number of seven times like someone does something to you seven times and i'm going to forgive them every time like that's pretty impressive don't you think and Jesus kind of turns that around uh, on him. Uh, I think another reason uh, why this parable is, is being told by Jesus is that Jesus wants to disclose and set forth the incredible importance of forgiveness in the kingdom of God. That's probably the number one thing that I want to get you to think about today and to contemplate today as a result of our time this morning. How important forgiveness, this idea of forgiveness, understanding forgiveness, the extension of forgiveness, is to the kingdom of God. And, and of course, we see, especially when we get to the last verse, uh, there's a fairly significant um, command there, or or significant uh, warning uh, that Jesus puts forward in terms of, how important forgiveness is like god takes this very seriously all right well let's jump in here and take a look at an overview of this parable so one of the things that's interesting in terms of even where this where this lands in scripture is that it's in a chapter that's actually 
dealing with a lot of issues of humility in humanity. And so if you were to, we don't have time this morning, but if we were to go through the whole chapter and take a look and just see some of the things that are being talked about in chapter 18, it's fascinating. And really, one of the things that, that Jesus, and I think in the discussions that are happening at this, at this point in time in this chapter, is Jesus really trying to help people have an understanding of who he is, who God is, who the Trinity is, and who creation is, humans, mankind, ourselves, and, and those differences and how those relate to each other. And, and the reality of, of those things becomes more clear as Jesus speaks, tells stories, answers these questions. In particular, hopefully bringing some clear understanding to the fact that we are the created. We are not God. And just really trying to get us to understand truly and honestly our position or place as it relates to that. And so uh, it's fascinating to see how how that's happening in the chapter. Um, I think another interesting uh, piece here is just Peter asking the question um, really in the way that he does that. I think he's looking for Jesus to kind of applaud him. Very good, Jesus. In fact, if we go back in the old... In, in some of the old scripture, there's there's some uh, some scripture that talks about the fact that you know like up you know s- forgiving someone seven times, trying to emphasize that it's important to forgive, and so maybe Peter's pulling that out. Maybe Peter's uh, just come up with the number to try and sound impressive, like he's he's got the forgiveness thing sorted out. And and it's incredible in the way that I think Peter asks the question that it really displays human self righteousness. Now, of course, last week, if you were here, we were looking at the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And we learned a lot about human self-righteousness as this Pharisee uh, individual in that parable was looking on to the tax collectors. Oh, I'm not like that. And I'm, you know, all of that. And this idea of how we so easily can become self-righteous. I'm not as bad as that person. I'm not... I'm better than that. And somehow as to keep score and that somehow as long as the score is in a certain way then I can feel good about myself and somehow that makes it okay in terms of how I look and live my life. And, and Jesus really interrupts that idea. Um, and, in, and, and I would say that as this story went on that Peter probably was embarrassed. Peter probably became very humble. Uh, perhaps Peter kind of shrunk back a little bit and just had to think about the fact that, wow, I uh, hadn't even thought about forgiveness from this perspective of how much God has forgiven and how much I should also forgive in relation to that. There's some great lessons we're going to look at today uh, about forgiveness. And then, of course, in this parable, there's there's three individuals. It centers on you know, one individual who's kind of in the middle of all this. We've got, you know, the different players. And this central individual owes someone a lot and is owed a little, okay? And then we have uh, we have um, the king as well, and then we have the servant of the servant. And so trying to keep all these servants straight, uh, hopefully we can do that. So I've got a little kind of pictogram that we're going to work through here in terms of understanding this. So we're on to the next slide there, yeah. Okay, so... 
just to set the stage here, I'm looking at a couple of different things. So we have the relationship between them, the debt, and then what the action is that, that occurs. So again, we have the main servant, okay, so they're the they're sort of the central person. And I'm going to use the term main servant so we don't get mixed up with his servant uh, in that regard. Then, then, of course, we have the king. The story talks about the king in, in the story. And then the main servant has essentially people that work for him or a, a servant. And so we'll just call them the servant. So those are kind of our three, our three players. And then if we look at the relationship, obviously the main servant serves the king and the servant serves the main servant. Okay, So we've got that. From our, from our parable, we've got that relationship sorted out. And then we start to read in the story that the king wants to settle accounts. And so he calls in this, I'll call him the main servant, say, hey, look, um, going through the books, need to settle some things here. You owe me. And in, the, in Scripture, it talks about 10,000 talents. Now, at that time, if I was to convert that into Canadian dollars, and sorry, that's a little small, but it's over $3 million dollars. Now, what that would be worth today with inflation and everything else, I have no idea what that number would be. But it was $3 million at that time in history, which that's, a, that's like a king's rent. Like, that's a lot, a lot of money. And obviously, you know, Jesus is telling the story. And he throws out this number, 10,000 talents. Like, he's, in some ways, I think he's exaggerating, but in many ways, he's not when you start to realize and understand the parable and how much, you know, because at the end we, we get a pretty pretty square idea of, of who the main servant really is. And he's talking about you and me. And how much God has forgiven us. And it is like, you know, $3 million or 10,000 talents at that time. It's an enormous amount. And, and Jesus puts that forward. Like he... He's so eager to bring understanding to, to Peter and those that are there that think that, you know, if I just forgive somebody seven times, I'm looking pretty good. And Jesus is like, you have no idea what you're talking about as it relates to forgiveness and how important that is and how significant that is and what you've been extended and obviously what you should extend others. So, of course, the main servant owe, uh, is owed by the servant, and, and it works out to about $26. Right? So nowadays that will buy about two Happy Meals, I think. Um, and, and, and so we have a pretty significant right, issue here. Like, it's, it's a massive... Like, for those of us... And now, when we see that in dollars and cents, and of course at that time they would understand 10,000 talents and, you know, 100 denarii, like they would understand the incredible difference between those things. And then we go on to see Jesus, Jesus continues with the story to look at the action that happens. And of course the king, after the main servant comes to him and begs for forgiveness, what does he do? Forgives him. Now, what's interesting is he doesn't just say, oh, that's okay. We'll create a term of payments and we'll amortize that over 10 years and you can pay me back X amount per month and, and, and in that time, you know, like we would if we borrowed money from a bank. He cancels the debt. So it's not, yeah, I'll give you mercy, you can go and work and pay this back. Actually, 
I'm just going to say it never existed. Done. It, like, can you imagine? Like, I mean, just imagine if you owed someone three million dollars right now, and they called you later this afternoon and said, "You know, I've been thinking. Forget it. You don't owe me anymore." Like, can you? Like, I can't even fathom that. And it's not only, "Hey, I'm going to extend mercy and, and create a longer payment plan for you." This is, you don't have to pay me anything. And the reality is we don't know because it's a parable, not a real story about that we know of. Maybe Jesus knew about this, but it's not a real story in most cases, and so we don't know. But the reality probably is, is that that main servant probably couldn't, couldn't pay that back. They, they, they could work the rest of their life. Their family could work the rest of their life. They'd never be able to amass that amount 10,000 talents, $3 million in our money. You'd never amass that amount in all the work they could do to ever pay them back. They would be indebted for the rest of their life and go to their grave that way. And the king says, you know what? Moving forward, it's gone. Done. Now, you can only imagine someone who's experienced that kind of outrageous grace, how they would then go on and live their lives towards others, right? Wrong. What happens between the main servant and their servant does not forgive the $26.22 and throws them in jail and forces them. Like it's just, and, and, and you can imagine, you can imagine, and maybe you, you were like this the first time you were reading this and you hadn't read the end yet, and you're reading this, you're going, oh man, this is, I can't believe people are like that. Oh, it makes me so mad, you know? And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, and that's you, folks. That's me. God has forgiven so much for each one of us. And it's as if it's 10,000 talents compared to what anybody has ever done to us or a debt that they owe to us in terms of things they may have done to hurt us or cause us pain or betray us or whatever it is that someone else has done. What we have been forgiven, what we have done to God in our sin and in our rebellion, and what God has extended in terms of grace, is so out of this world more than we will ever have to extend to someone else. And Jesus basically is trying to set a story and, and, and create emotions that people go, how could that main servant do that? But he did. And I do. And you do. We forget how much God has forgiven us. We forget. And then we go and live our lives as if that never happened, holding debt over other people. And we live in bitterness. And we live in broken relationships. And, and we forget how much God has done in our lives, how much He's forgiven us, how much He will forgive us. Our, our, our story of, of falling away from God or, or rebelling against God or struggling with the things that we struggle, it still will continue to happen. And we look to the Holy Spirit and we look for, 
for God's help to, to work out our righteousness. But we know we'll fall. We'll know we'll falter. And God will forgive us and has. And it keeps going. And it's a massive amount of debt that we owed. Not, not just even, if we look at it, not just even you know, the actual sins that we could list on a piece of paper, but the reality of our sin nature that we were created, you know, we were born with, we, were, we, were, we, we came into this earth with that separated us from God. And God forgives that. It's, it's, it's incredible. And so who are we in this parable? I think that's becoming obvious. And I think for Peter and the disciples, they got a pretty clear message of, whoa, okay. So I want to talk for a minute in the next slide just about the significance of forgiveness. Because as I read this through, I was like, wow, you know, this is, there's, there's some things happen here, not just kind of between the people and sort of a lesson for you and I in terms of we need to forgive others because we've been forgiven so much. But how, by the way this is said by Jesus and, and the significance of the numbers and all that kind of stuff, how critical forgiveness is in the kingdom of God. So let's explore that for a minute. How important is forgiveness in the kingdom of God? I, this, this parable, particularly when we get to that last verse, really seems to indicate that it's of critical importance. We are, in our very nature, sinful. And the reality is, is that there was, maybe like in this story, there's no way we could even pay our debt. So if there wasn't clear forgiveness for it, we could... We could never pay it. We could never pay it. And it would be almost like a kind of torture. We read in our story that they get sent to jail or tortured until they pay these things back. It would almost be like a kind of torture to have to deal with this issue we have between us and God and never be able to do anything about it. But then there's Jesus. And there's God's amazing plan and his work on the cross. And we know a lot about that already. Without it, mankind could never be part of the kingdom of God. I suppose heaven would be the Trinity, the angels. That's it. Because I wouldn't be there. And you wouldn't be there. There would be no kingdom of God that included mankind if forgiveness did not exist. I mean, think about that for a minute. The significance of that. Like forgiveness is not just this, I forgive you, brother, and it is that. But it is a principle that is foundational to the entire existence of the kingdom of God, both in heaven and here on earth. It's incredible. And God forgives us our active sin. He forgives us our sin nature. This is phenomenal news because without it, we couldn't be part of God's kingdom. We couldn't be part of God's plan. We could not be and, and do the purpose that God created us to be without forgiveness. It is God's forgiveness that makes that possible. As we think about it in terms of human terms, it's critical for communities of non-perfect people. And without forgiveness, there is no true community. And in many ways, as I mentioned, it's almost like a kind of torture to put upon someone to never forgive them and to hold that over them, whatever, whatever that was, and to be in that bitterness. And it ruins community. And we know it ruins families. We know it ruins friendships. 
We know it can ruin churches and all kinds of things as we don't operate in the principle of forgiveness. It's paramount to God's kingdom. And what's also interesting is we know the incredible cost for God to secure our forgiveness in the death of his son, the Lord Jesus. And Jesus is telling this story knowing that he is the avenue by which we're going to receive this forgiveness and be part of the kingdom of heaven. He's telling the story. He understands and knows the incredible sacrifice, and that in itself speaks to the importance of forgiveness as well. So as we think about this and reflect for a minute, and I think it's important to do that from time to time, Has our idea of forgiveness like Peter's come from a human perspective where we think that we don't have to continually forgive a little? That somehow we're justified in limiting the grace that we extend to others? Have we become self-righteous to that point that as we look around, almost like the Pharisee from last week, and say, oh, I'm not like them, and I... And I can't believe they did that to me. And you don't understand, Steve, how significant the offense was. And, and this is not to minimize the incredible things that people do to each other that are tragic and hurtful and betrayal and all of that. And it is difficult, in, and I would even say impossible, for us on our own to forgive. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But the reality is, is that when we take a minute and reflect on ourselves and our rebellion, and we're going to do that. Have we forgotten how much we've been forgiven? Take a minute. Just close your eyes for 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and just just reflect and think about the fact that, man, I was far from God. And I was not operating... In, in the ways that Scripture teaches. And I was bitter, and I was selfish, and I was whatever you were. And just to reflect on that for a minute and realize how much God has forgiven me. The Bible tells us that, as we think about this, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can understand it? And I was thinking this week as I was preparing this, I was thinking about just reflecting on my own life. And, you know, if if you knew everything that I ever thought and did, you'd be, you'd be disgusted. And probably that would be the same the other way around. We, we, we are wicked people without the grace and mercy of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives. We, we are rebellious. And, and when you add all that up and try and somehow, which is impossible, but give some kind of a, an amount to that, some value to that, 
It's 10,000 talents that we owed that we could never repay. But the good news, the good news is, is that God, the king in our story, and God in our story will forgive us, does forgive us. And it's gone. It's, it's canceled. And we are free, set free. I mean, that is I, I, incredible. Sometimes, you know, I forget about that. I forget about how blessed and how outrageous the grace of God is in my life. And as we're reflecting on that, are we prepared to understand the importance of this kingdom forgiveness and start to extend that kind of grace to others? So let's take a minute, and I'm just going to read something to you. And we're, uh, I'm going to read it because it's... One, one of the things that I was looking and thinking about was, well, yes, okay, we need to forgive each other. That, that idea is so important, so critical. And yet what's interesting is that as you read through the fruits of the Spirit, you go love, joy, patience, forgive. No, maybe it's love, patience, forgive. No, it's, wait a minute. Forgiveness isn't actually listed there. But it, but it was interesting because as I thought about this and I did a little bit of study and I found an excerpt from a book uh, that I wanted to read to you, is the idea that, yes, forgiveness is a fruit of the Spirit, but it's really looking at all of the various or a lot of the fruits of the Spirit, and how they apply to providing forgiveness. So I'm just going to read this, and you can think about all these different fruits and how they might uh, work as we go through this idea of forgiveness. So starting with love. Self-love builds walls and defense mechanisms around you when you love, sorry, when someone wrongs you. But love for others helps you sympathize with the other who offended you. Instead of making you bitter, it stirs compassion in you for the other person's struggle with sin. That's love. What about joy? It is joy when you receive the gift of forgiveness from God for the wrongs you've committed against him. And in turn, you ought to share this joy with others by giving the gift of forgiveness to them. Peace. The peace that's required is not an inner peace or a ceasefire wherein you keep silent about the offense while your relationship problems are still unresolved. What is needed is unity and understanding in the relationship resulting from loving confrontation. The goal of loving confrontation with the other person is not in a winning a who's right and who's wrong argument, but in achieving reconciliation and deeper understanding. And out of that, comes peace. Patience. It's okay if you offer forgiveness and the other person does not admit he or she has done anything wrong because it takes patience to wait for him or her to be ready and to realize that you might need to deal with the same relational issue again and again. Kindness. If someone owes you a lot of money and you tell that person that he or she no longer has to pay it, it is a great act of kindness In the same way, forgiveness is a great act of kindness because the debt between you has been canceled. Goodness. Jesus said there's no one who's good except God. When we do not forgive, it's as if we set ourselves over the other person as his or her judge and punisher. And in a way, unforgiveness is is human's way of taking God's place. On the other hand, Forgiveness is letting God's goodness reach the other person. Faithfulness. Forgiveness is an act of faith towards God, not towards the other person. 
Even when we face rejection, we can still have the heart to forgive without being affected by the other person's reactions, all because we have faith in God and our identity and security are dependent on Him. Gentleness and self-control. It's so easy to be angry or to be fearful, defensive when you've offended. Being able to control your impulse to anger and to react gently is hard, and realizing your first response to an offense should not be directed towards the other person, but towards God as you give that offense to God, asking Him for wisdom to handle the situation. These are prerequisites to helping you to ultimately offer forgiveness. Truly spirit-filled followers of Christ should exhibit the fruit of the Spirit and the habit of forgiveness. Do you show the fruit and the evidence of the Spirit in your relationships? And this is from the book, uh, What Did You Expect? David, uh, Paul David Tripp is the author. And so we have this idea that although forgiveness may not be an actual listed item in the fruits of the Spirit in, in Scripture, we start to realize how this is so significant it takes almost all the fruits in case, I mean, long-suffering we didn't mention, but this idea of long-suffering would be part of that. This idea takes all of the fruit, all of God working through us in all those various fruits to actually forgive. It's not something that's, I guess I could say, is humanly possible in terms of real forgiveness as God tries to explain it to us, but that requires the work of the Spirit through us as we extend forgiveness and develop and create the kingdom of God on earth, which we've been called to do, and we pray that in the Lord's Prayer, and that, and that we do that. And that's, that comes through the work of the Spirit in our lives. Okay, so some lessons as we kind of wrap this up. Um, God has forgiven us an unpayable debt. Right? Like to think about having a debt as significance of that, that separated us from God and being unable to pay that, I mean, that's not a very peaceful way to live your life. But there is hope and there is joy that comes in knowing that God has made a way through the Lord Jesus Christ for us to be reconciled to God. And we, we have that debt canceled. And we have a restored relationship. Um, we have been released from the hurt and power of our debt. And we don't need to exact hurt and power over others as a way of dealing with our debt. And I don't know why in our story this guy wouldn't forgive 26 bucks. But for some reason, whether he thought the 26 bucks was going to help him pay, I mean, it, it wasn't. In the same way that exacting some kind of bitterness and unforgiveness over somebody else, thinking that somehow that makes it better for us in order to deal with our issues, is false. And we don't have that. And we have to realize that hurt people will hurt people. But helped people help people. And that's significant. And as we start to understand how much we've been helped, how much we've been given, we need to, we need to extend that to others. Helped people help people. And thirdly, Father God takes forgiveness very seriously, and we get that from the overtones of our parable today. We need to understand God's heart and how outrageous the forgiveness of God is towards us. I mean, unbelievable. Jesus is hanging on the cross, we know from that part of Scripture, and he is, 
he is asking God to forgive those that are killing him because they don't really understand what they're doing. Like, can you imagine that? We need to understand our own heart, you know, that we are prone to self-righteousness and thinking we've got it all together, but we don't. We've been forgiven so much. And then we need to seek the Holy Spirit's help to reveal those, perhaps, that we have not forgiven and then to have the courage to forgive, the strength to forgive. And we'll need the fruit to help us with that, like I was reading in our little uh, before. And then we need to be about this work because this is, this is part of how the kingdom of God grows and develops here on earth. As people see and understand how we forgive one another and extend that forgiveness and we understand our forgiveness from God, man, that's, that's doing kingdom work by extending forgiveness and that's important. And I just want to close uh, this morning because we've been talking mostly about this parable applying obviously to this main servant. And, and for those of us that that have a relationship with the Lord, you know, we, we get that. We get, okay, God's the king. We're the main servant. We've been forgiven much. We need to extend that to others. But perhaps uh, I would be remiss not to address that some of you maybe haven't actually experienced God's grace and forgiveness. You're, you're not actually in this story. Uh, you, you, you're standing on the outside looking in. And I think it's important for me to mention that God wants to extend His grace and His mercy to you. A debt that you owe that you can't pay. That's separating you from God. And God doesn't want you to be there. He's made a way for you to be connected again through the Lord Jesus Christ and His work on the cross. Just like in our story, He wants to cancel that debt and set you free. He wants you to be able to go on living for the very purpose that you were created for, to serve Him and to live according to His principles in Scripture. And some of you may think, mm-mm, I owe too much. It's too big. You don't, Steve, you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. Go back to our story. 10,000 talents, a debt that that main servant could not pay when asked for mercy, and asked for grace, was forgiven. And that's exactly how it works between our relationship with us and God. We ask for mercy, we ask for forgiveness, and we are forgiven a debt that we couldn't pay. We're reconnected to God. God desires to forgive you no matter what. Recognize that you owe a debt, and then let's deal with it. Let's, let's ask for mercy. Let's ask for God to forgive you. You can expect God's grace and forgiveness today by acknowledging your debt of sin, asking for his forgiveness. You can accept the work of Christ on the cross as a payment for that debt. And like in our parable, God will forgive you and set you free. And if you want to chat about that, there'll be a few of us up here at the front after the service and encourage you to come and deal with a debt you cannot pay if that's where you are this morning.